Have you ever wondered if it's possible to live in sync with your cycle? Do you struggle with a negative mindset around your period? Are you wondering if it's possible to be feminist and anti-birth control? We're going to explore these questions and so much more in the Managing Your Fertility podcast, because this is about helping you live a whole and full life. I'm your host and guide, Bridget Busacker, joining you in this journey of exploration related to women's healthcare, feminism, and fertility awareness. Are you ready? Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited to have back with us Dr. Sarah Bartel. If you have not heard our previous conversation, I'm going to introduce Sarah here. Dr. Sarah Bartel helps married Catholics grow closer to God and closer to their beloved at canafeast.com. A moral theologian and mom of five, she and her husband of 20 years created the Cana Feast Virtual Marriage Ministry to help bring the benefits of marriage retreats to more couples. She co-edited A Catechism of Marriage and Family Life for CUA Press, and she hikes, reads Jane Austen, and has adventures with her family in the Seattle area. You can find her on Instagram and Facebook at Cana Feast and at Dr. Sarah Bartell. Sarah, I'm so excited to have you back on and chatting today. Oh, it is always so great to talk with you, Bridget. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Of course. Sarah, I want you to talk specifically today about your latest course, My Delight, and tell us a little bit more of what it's all about, what you offer, who is it for, who does it serve, and then we'll, we're will we going to jump into some hot topic questions around sex as well. Yes. Hot topic indeed. <laughs> Not like the store at the mall, though. <laughs> Yes, My Delight is a course for Catholic married and engaged women on sex. It is a sex course and it's to help you enjoy it more, help women who are low libido or have questions about what is and isn't okay. Basically, yeah, anything related to your sex life and making it more delightful for you as a woman because I really think that it's important that um, we recognize the mutuality that is supposed to be there in our sexual relationship with our husbands. Um, We're not just there to roll, you know, get it, get through with it and, you know, serve his needs. God created man and woman equal and you have an equal um, right to experience the joy that is there that God created in the sexual relationship. So that is what the course is about. I especially love to help women in their 20s and early 30s because you know what? there's just like an openness and eagerness to learn and a willingness to make changes. But if you're in your forties, later thirties, fifties, even, and have a teachable heart and are young at heart, then I would love, you know, those women are also welcome. That's so awesome. Can you, um, well, you know what? I was going to ask you like, Hey, let's get into like how the course is structured, but actually let's talk about sex. And then towards the Ah. end, we can go more into that. So people have an idea of like, Ooh, are the things we're going to talk about going to be touched in your course or not. So this is really helpful that you're giving us this, this overview. So to give everyone a sense, you're so good. And you're so honest about talking about sex in such an integral way and an integrative way in combining what the church teaches us and what science shows us as well about men and women and our bodies and the goodness of our bodies. So I think a lot of times there's uncertainty around sex and women aren't sure if it's okay to have great sex. (gasps) Yeah. You, it is okay to have great sex. It's actually God's plan, like the wedding feast of the lamb, the joy of the kingdom. It is truly, you know, one of the ways that we can um, sort of get a little bit of a glimpse of how amazing heaven will be when um, we can experience that intensity of delight and pleasure with our husbands. 
So yes, yeah. I mean, God, as you state so clearly, God created us with a clitoris. You know, the only purpose of that organ is female sexual pleasure. Obviously he wants women to enjoy sex also. Otherwise he wouldn't have created that, right? Yeah, I think we forget that, that we forget that uh, that's so specific to women that this isn't something bad or dirty. And also if God creates us good, well, then that has to be good and it has purpose and it can be used for a good purpose. Yes. Absolutely. It helps the bonding with your husband. It just, you know, it helps you remember that you're created for more than laundry and dishes and to-do lists and meal planning and your job, <laughs> you know, that there is something above and beyond. And it's, you know, it, it, yeah, it's like really wonderful sex transports you, right? It's like sort of this euphoric sense of, um, you know, a different kind of experience. <laughs> And it's important though, that like it's in our bodies, but it's also spiritual and emotional. Like great sex is not just a thing you do with your body. It's the emotional connection and, you know, that openness to awareness of God's presence there, your spiritual aspect as well. So there's just a lot to it. And it's very like, as women, you know, we, um, we are nuanced and subtle and complex and, uh, it's really important, you know, that all those things are lining up for us to really, um, enjoy it. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more how the, if, and how the church supports great sex, because I think this is something that gets very mixed up very quickly or very perverted. I think we often think of, oh, perverted ways of thinking about sex usually is porn. It's pornographic, but oh, yeah. I think you can also go to the other end of scrupulosity, obsession over, you know, making the right choice or the best choice, or even like puritanical ways of thinking. Yeah. Or maybe even just indifference, right. Or neglect. Yes. yes. Like that's nah, not that important or meaningful or, you know, or it's so, it's so hard to figure out why even bother like kind of a resignation, but yes. yes. And I know that, um, you've quoted this before and, um, I just don't have the, the church document quote at my fingertips, but I do know that in Va Gaudium et Spes, one of the Vatican II documents, um, paragraph somewhere between paragraph 48 and 52, cause those are the marriage paragraphs. Um, the council father, so this is authoritative church teaching, like super authoritative. They say the acts by which husband and wife express their love, you know, physically in marriage are noble and worthy and dignified. So there it's saying that, yeah, you know, this sex isn't dirty between husband and wife. It is a really good, noble thing. And then they say, um, and I, maybe this is in the catechism. Or I don't, this is what I don't remember where exactly the quote is, but um, it says somewhere in church teaching that um, couples do no wrong to seek the pleasure that the creator made as part of sexuality. So is, and it is and we'll, we're going to link it in the show notes too, because I love my sources when it's like, here's, the yeah. Okay, we'll, we'll dig them. so yeah. yeah. So, because I think like, I think when people hear that, I think it can be a little shocking at times where there's disbelief, like really the church cares, like the real, the church really thinks this. And she does yeah. like, we really know and believe that sex points to, I know in theology, of the body, it's the inner penetration of the Trinitarian love, which I yeah. remember reading that I'm going through theology body, um, text in full in a book club. And I remember thinking like the interpenetration of the Trinitarian love, like we're using the word penetration, here, right? <laughs> but it's like, whoa, this, this means something like sex is powerful and points to a spiritual reality that we can't quite understand as human beings with, you know, the veil over our eyes post original sin. But this is something so powerful that points us to the reality of what we're made for in that communion of persons. 
Yes. And on the human level, so yeah, there are all these spiritual goods. It's a renewal of your covenant. When you read the language in Gaudium et Spes, like I said, between paragraphs 48 and 52, also it talks about like that this is um, marital love is you renew the grace in your marriage, that this is a means of enriching in grace and um, gratitude. So there's a whole host of spiritual benefits to making love in a wonderful, great way. That's great for the both of you. But also there are physical and emotional benefits. We know re-release oxytocin that bonds you more and um, you relaxes you afterwards, better sleep. Like there are measurable physical benefits to your body (laughs) from having sex. So it makes sense to me, you know, because we're body and soul integrated that the benefits are gonna be at every layer. Yeah. Personhood. Yeah. I'm glad you're mentioning that too, to bring that up because I think it's kind of, uh, it's easy to kind of get into like, yeah, the church supports it. It's so awesome that, you know, the renewal of, of your vows and the grace that comes and all that is so good. And also we have evidence to support the, the, what it's doing to our bodies emotionally, physically, mm-hmm. mentally, and how that is impacting us in positive ways or in negative mm-hmm. ways. That's why sex is so powerful. And mm-hmm. so to recognize that is so important to do, because I think that's, what's so great about how honest you are in talking about sex in your course is that you're willing to go in a practical level. Like, what does it look like to apply and live out these church teachings and not just stay in this heady space that may not actually make sense? Right. Right. Cause that all sounds great on paper. Right. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, maybe you're not feeling the Trinity yeah. <laughs> on Tuesday night at 11 o'clock PM. <laughs> and, A lot of times what happens is women just feel left behind or out of it. Like their husband is having a great time here and now he's rolled over and asleep and you're just frustrated and feel alone or feel broken. Like there's something wrong with you or um, hopeless. And that is really sad. That was, that's not God's plan, but it is kind of what ends up happening by default. If we have certain attitudes or habits or practices, attitudes like, well, I'm just there for him. It's my duty. I just need to be available no matter what. Um, And also our whole culture, our view of sexuality is very male dominated. And even the view of women's sexuality that we see in media and movies and music, uh, it is a narrative that has been created by men who don't understand how women work. So you have these unrealistic depictions of women getting aroused super quickly and having an amazing time and liking all these things that actually are more like male-centered. And we don't even know what works for women. Like who would teach you this? You know, maybe hopefully you're lucky and have a friend or sister or great conversations with the other, you know, women in your church. <laughs> but women need a lot more time and we need a lot more care attunement, attentiveness, exploration, creativity, play. We need a transition, you know, to relax into it and let the day melt off. Like all these things that we need to sort of set up and um, and then have really good emotional connection and feel bonded, right? It's just, um, it it's like a garden. And maybe in this garden, you've got, um, two different kinds of plants. And maybe you're succulent, that's the male sexuality. Needs just a little bit of water every few months. (laughs) And this thing is thriving, it's sturdy, it's straightforward, and that plant is alive, right? But maybe the women's sexuality plant is like a rose or an orchid and you need to like 
care for the ground and give it a lot more water, a lot more regularly and prune it and, you know, maybe put some supports up and give some fertilizer and the right amount of sun, not too much, not too little. And when all those conditions are in place, it is going to bloom into the most lovely, beautiful flower. But if you care for that rose or that orchid the way you care for a succulent, it's going to be all withered and sad and sad and shriveled up. And it's not going to be having a good time. That is my metaphor for <laughs> Well, and you know what? Many- As you say that, I think there is that narrative, like you said, in media and culture. Like hearing that, I think someone could think, wow, that sounds like a lot of work, really. Like you need all of that attention in order to have sex with your husband. Like, can't you offer it up? Can't you just officially love? And I think that, um, and that's something I talk about in a recent uh, article I wrote up on spiritual bypassing. It's like, okay, are you actually addressing the needs that you have, like the psychological needs, the wounds, whatever could be needed for that deeper, deeper work by just saying like, I'm just going to offer it up. I'll just pray it away. I'll just get through it so I can be by myself on the couch. Um, And and it is because I think like a lot of times it sounds like you, you're asking too much of your husband. Like almost like there's a, you're demanding too much to say that you need to be loved and cared for. Oh my gosh. Yes. I feel so passionately about this, Bridget. Like, where do I even start? (laughs) You know, if your husband thinks that your sexuality works like his does, and like, he's just not going to know. And who do you talk about sex most with? Probably your husband, right? And like, he just probably doesn't even know any differently. So um, yeah, it is not doing him or you or your marriage any favors to just offer it up, get through with it, just so you can then move on to something that you'll really like, like sleep or hanging out on the couch. (laughs) Uh, No, because there's a loneliness and isolation in there. There's not really tending to your whole person and it's not really a full communion. Um, And I think it's so subtle and tricky because it looks so pious and virtuous, right? Like, oh, I'm just making a gift of self by being here passively available so he can do this to me and have his nice time and then he's done. Right. And, Mm -hmm. but that's not a full gift of self. It's not active receptivity, right? It's kind of a giving up (laughs) in a, in the resignation sense, not a self gift of like actively bringing your whole person and then sharing that and exploring together. And, you know, um, yeah, I really think we're called to more. Mm -hmm. I really believe that. I like the distinction self gift versus giving up because I think that's, I think that's such a reality for so many that we think that it's self gift to just kind of say like, okay, I'll lay here and be available. And like, okay, I'll have, even though I'm a million miles away or I have other things or whatever it might be going on instead of saying, okay, how can we connect? How can we slow down together? How can we feel like this is going to be a, 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 a wonderful experience for both of us? Cause that's, that's okay to want that. I think there's a lot of language around a, a woman can't want that or shouldn't want that. And it's not, it isn't talked about. You don't have people like writing about this all the time in a way that actually speaks to both people having their desires and their, and their needs. I don't know. I think need can be yeah. a challenge. Need is kind of a unique word. I think in that sometimes it can sound grasping, but it's like, you're trying to encompass what you need and what, what would make you feel loved. And it's okay to talk about those things and talk about both perspectives, not a, a male dominant narrative. Absolutely. And it's a great mystery, you know, and I think that's, what's so beautiful about femininity is um, it's an invitation to explore, to be, to know and be known at a, such a deeper level. And that's why God made man and woman to be together. Like if we were both just like men, super straightforward, 
short fast arousal curve, you know, whatnot, sex would be over and done with in five minutes. And, <laughs> and we wouldn't know each other as deeply. But um, it, I think, yeah, women feel like I'm so I'm too much, I need too much. But that's exactly how God made you so that you can have this invitation to, um, you know, a deeper communion. And that's so valid and worthy. I think if we look back at um, just a centuries, if not millennia long misinterpretation of the Garden of Eden, the story of original sin, there's a real suspicion of Eve's desire, of woman's desire. All the blame for original sin can get put incorrectly on Eve. It was her desiring that apple that got us in trouble. And we kind of just, you know, excuse Adam from the whole situation, <laughs> even though he was right there and should have stepped up. And yeah. um, and he was equally, if not more, complicit um, and responsible. But there, there's just a, been a huge mistrust and dismissal of women's desire in culture for so long. And that's not authentic to what the Bible and what our faith, our Catholic faith is trying to teach us. Um, so we really need to go back and reclaim that, the validity of women's desire. And even if it's a desire, you're not like, you're, the desire for sex to be more than just, you know, get it, get through with it. Yeah. You know, as you talk about Adam and Eve in Theology of the Body, and I believe it's Audience 33, he, um, John Paul II, he talks about how um, Adam was was called to be, and male, is called to be guardian or protector. And he actually has uh, uh, more weight and, and carries more weight and a bigger role in actually honoring the gift of mutual self-gift and making sure that he doesn't um, pervert it. And, he's, yeah. and John Paul says he refers it back to pre-original sin when God entrusts Adam with the garden and entrusts Eve to him and not in the sense of they're not partners, but that he has a job of being guardian protector and Adam fails at that. Yes. It, yeah, at the fall. And I, and I'm, you know, and this is fresh. People might be like, how the heck do you know? Like all the timelines are, it's like, well, I've just read it last night, but I'm also mind blown oh, thinking, oh my gosh, like man is entrusted with this and he can, and he doesn't usually follow through. And we also have so many narratives for men that like are so confusing about what is your role as man? Like, what does it look like to be mm -hmm. protector, but not dominating? What does it look like to be tender with your wife and actually seek out to love her and like help her in her desire for you and her needs that she has? Um, I think it's just fascinating to, to see that played out and the struggle that we have to um, battle against sin, to be able to love each other well. Yes. Oh, that's so important and so good. Yes. It does take a strong man who can have self-possession and not be completely self-seeking, but really, you know, protect the space that his wife needs and, you know, help create, because what you need for a lovely encounter um, of the marital type, <laughs> you need something of an oasis, you know, and um, you, you kind of need to get back to the garden in a sense. You need a little you need a little place like where there's you have space and time and breathing room and it takes a strong man to recognize that and to be able to you know to be that like to to be the one that his wife can just um relax into and melt into and you know hold back he can hold back a bit while she just like i said earlier lets the day melt off and just be very tender there's a strength to that as well and because yeah um with that entrusting that you talked about that Adam was entrusted with the garden and with care for Eve. Um, 
you've got free will. The man, Adam, or any man has free will and a choice. And he can be like, great, there's this garden, there's this woman. Why don't I just take and exploit and plunder like it's here for me? Or is it like I will steward and care for and provide so that there can be flourishing? And I think about that when I think about like why is a healthy, happy sexuality important? And it goes back to what St. Irenaeus of Lyon said when he said that the glory of God is man fully alive. And St. John Paul II applies that to man and woman, you know, fully alive. But I really think part of being fully alive is letting your sexuality flourish, letting delight and pleasure flourish. It glory, it does give God glory there. And also we see in the New Testament letters um, a call to glorify God in your bodies, right? So it is really important. Um, and worthwhile. And I just, I feel so sad when I hear about, um, you know, women just saying like, okay, I'll be there. I'll just get through with it Um, because it's the complete opposite of being fully alive, right? It's not glorifying. It's, (laughs) it's diminishing to me. It just really seems like a diminishment. And we know that in Protestant communities where women are taught that they can never say no to their husbands and they just have to be sexually available all the time, that there is a higher incidence of pain during intercourse for those women of vagismus. So this is not the way to flourishing, to glorifying God in your body. Like we, if that's the way things are going, then you don't associate sex with pleasure. You associate it with you know, tension and then tension leads to pain. And then this becomes ingrained in the pathways in your brain. And it's really, it's hard to undo. It's possible, um, but it's hard to undo that. And we just don't want anyone to go down that road. Um, I think that is an error. And one of the things that Pope Paul VI, St. Pope Paul VI wrote in Humanae Vitae in 1965 as one of the criticisms of contraception was that it would give men the, um, they would lose, they, they would have women be sexually available to them all the time. And then they would begin to lose proper respect for the physical and emotional equilibrium of their wives. Well, I think that same problem can happen when we have this incorrect idea that women always have to say yes to their husbands, that this husband can start to feel entitled or, I don't know, just oblivious and not recognize, oh my gosh, my wife's really tired right now, or she's starting to get sick, or she just needs a break, you know? Um, so that that regard for the equilibrium of each other, that's really important. And it goes both ways too. I mean, there are some of us <laughs> women who are higher libido than our husbands. And if the poor guy is just sacked out, completely exhausted, then we, you know, we have to be like, okay, let's let him rest tonight and then we'll try again tomorrow. So this is, it really is mutual. Yeah. I think it's that mutuality that is so missing a lot of times in the conversation. It gets very hyper-focused on men. And then there's like little to no conversation around, around women, Uh, everything that you're talking about here and just highlighting, I think is so helpful for probably women who are hearing this thinking like, Oh, okay. This is like, this might be normal, but I don't want it to stay normal, you know? And I think like in that same way, when you're talking about vaginismus, 
I know uh, women in my life who've gone through um, therapy, uh, like psychotherapy, and then also pelvic floor therapy and have worked through that and, and experiencing way better sex with their spouse, which is so awesome that these things are available. But so many women don't even know that. It's like, yeah, you can actually go and experience pelvic floor therapy and be like working through challenges in your marriage and in your sex life and actually come out the other side and have great sex. And you might even get some orgasms in there and it's going to be awesome. And you can keep having hope in that, like that connection and that intimacy through sex can get better. And it doesn't have to stay in this mediocre space of like, well, I just got to get through it. Sarah, can you tell us as we're wrapping up here, what specifically your course includes? So if someone's hearing you talking right now and they're going, oh my goodness, I need her course, which I'm sure as many women's reactions listening to this. Uh, yeah, yes. So let me just say, I would think that from the women who joined my first cohort, which was the beta last fall, most of them came because they feel like they're suffering from low libido. And then as we went through the course, there was a collective sigh of relief because these women were like, oh my gosh, I thought I was broken. I'm so glad to know I'm normal. I'm not alone. And that is really powerful because this can feel so isolating. So what we do in the course is I have a, um, I have recorded lessons. So you go through the different, um, I call them chapters, um, because we're talking about changing your story of your, your sexuality. So you get, and now it's the, with the beta, you know, I was like creating as we go. Um, but now it's all up there. And so we talk about um, like the theology and why sex is good, just like we were talking about earlier in the podcast here in this episode. And then we talk about communication because, oh my goodness, you know, not only do you have to learn yourself and um, understand your own body um, and your own sexuality, but then you need to communicate this with your husband. You have to have really good conversations <laughs> with him about sex. So how do you do that? How do you have good conversations in general, good communication in general, and then specifically about sexuality and and you too and what you're doing or not doing? And then we talk about um, like just, yeah, your body. And then we talk about NFP and infertility and how that impacts your experience of sex because they both do have a huge impact. And so that's all there. And then meanwhile, we have 90 days of live weekly coaching calls. So women can email me when they're in the course, they can email me a really intimate, specific question. And then I will get on that week's coaching call and address the answer to that anonymously. So you don't have to have everybody in the cohort know what your specific question is, but everybody gets to benefit. And uh, that is so much fun. I had no idea it was possible to have this much fun in, you know, ministering in an online way, but it has been really great to have this authentic connection. I felt like the most myself, you know, I've ever have um, serving online. And it's just been loads of fun. So those weekly calls are actually, I feel like that's where a lot of the transformation has been happening. And you don't even have to show up and make it, you know, because the recordings are always available as well. So that is the basic enrollment. And then for those who want the premium enrollment, they also get four one-on-one -on -one private calls with me so that I can just talk live with them about what's going on and what can help and my best tips and advice for getting through whatever challenge or struggle they're having. 
That is incredible. I'm so grateful that you're doing this. And it definitely just in hearing you speak and hearing the joy and how passionate you are, like the Holy Spirit is totally working through you to be able to do this. So I'm grateful for your yes and grateful that you as a mom of five and running other aspects of Cana Feast with your husband, that you've designed and developed this course to be able to help women so that they're not kind of living in this space of thinking, okay, well, I know what the church teaches and I've read some random things online. How do I apply this? How do I know if it's legitimate or not? How do I know that I'm not actually doing something that could be totally illicit? And the church would be like, whoa, you can't do that. So I think that's so helpful to have you walking individuals through and knowing that like, this is in line with church teaching and we're here to help you really step into the goodness of your body. And like you said, um, with God wanting man fully alive, like, yes. Oh, I know. It was really a leap of faith for me to um, to offer this, but I'm like, why not? Let, let's just try it because you know I never thought I would be a Catholic sex lady, you know, <laughs> but it's been a wonderful way to use the moral theology training I I got when I did my doctorate at CUA, and um, you know God really called me after that not to go into academic work, but to really um, spend a lot of time at home with my kids and then go into ministry. So I was sort of like, really, Lord? So why did we need to spend those eight years studying this graduate level? Like it was fun, but not really seeing how this connects so much with what I'm doing. But in this course, I'm like, okay, I see you had all the pieces, you know, you had it all planned out because Bridget, it's a desert out there as far as solid a solid sex advice for Catholics. And what little we have is from men. It's Dr. Gregory Potterback. It's Chris West. And, you know, for all the good that they do, they are still men and they're not going to see things from a women's perspective or be able to connect woman to woman. Like most of the women in my course have said, like, I cannot bring this up with my priest or I've sort of alluded to this in confession, but in a roundabout way. And when we're together just as women, there's a real beauty and power to that. You know, we all can get each other. It's a safe space. Um, and I just love being able to provide that solid Catholic um, guidance, but do it as a woman, you know, really understanding what it's like to experience yeah. your body, your marriage, your sexuality, your uh, postpartum and, you know, and all those changes that happen with our bodies as a woman. So it's been a lot of fun. I'm, it's a real privilege to be able to do this. I'm so glad you are. This is great. And, I, and your point is, is, is right on. I mean, Christopher West and Greg Popchick have done amazing work and we're not saying that they haven't, but the fact that they're not, um, you know, we're not seeing, not that they aren't, but we're not seeing in the greater realm of publishing and work, like there really aren't any women being published. Like I honestly can't name you um, any pro- like prolific female Catholic writer on sexuality. Maybe there are books, but they're not being heavily promoted in the wider church and in the wider communities. And I think there is this uncertainty and, um, you know, it's like, it's like everyone's kind of blushing, like, Oh, we're going to talk about a clitoris and the female orgasm. It's like, well, we're talking about the man's and like the goodness of man and the goodness of our bodies. Like, of course we need to be specific and not to say Christopher West and Dr. Greg don't go there, but how beautiful it is that as a woman, you are speaking to this because you live the reality of being woman and you're welcoming other women into this space to say, you can be yourself here. This can be a safe and sacred space in which you are able to blossom and flourish as woman in your marriage, in your sexuality, in your sex with your husband too. 
Well, it's really a privilege and honor to, you know, to have women share with me such an intimate aspect of their marriage and just see the beauty of their own faith and sincerity and efforts and goodwill. Um, just women are such a treasure for the church. Truly, it's really um, just a celebration to come together as women. And yeah, I hope this is the start of something more. You know, there's a lot happening in social media, like with various NFP instructors and promoters and um you know some catholic influencers who um will speak about sex sometimes um you know more so if they're like in the fertility awareness space mm -hmm. but uh yeah this we just need to keep keep growing in this area absolutely thank you so much for being on sarah and sharing so much here i hope this is helpful for those listening and i i mean it's helpful for me so if nothing else I'm, I'm a changed woman here. I'm ready to take your course and, and jump in. And for those who are also ready to join me, I have an affiliate link to my delight that women who are listening can join and learn more from Sarah. And we'll have um, her contact information available to her website, social media accounts, so you can learn more about her there and the work that she's doing at Cana Feast with her husband, Nathan. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe, share with your friends, and help expand the conversation around women's health. If you'd like to learn more about fertility awareness, visit www.managingyourfertility.com for more information, resources, guides, and so much more.